0: Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message.
1: I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. You see, we have a, a standard of righteousness by the Word of God itself. Because as you live your life, you've got to have a standard. What do you consider to be right and wrong? If you let your own conscience be your guide, you're in a heap of trouble. Now, there's nothing wrong in your conscience being fed the truth from the Word of God. And if your conscience works from the Word of God, then your conscience can be your guide. But most times people, they don't have that good of a conscience. Now, there's a sermon I was going to preach one time on the good conscience, the bad conscience, the evil conscience, and uh, pure conscience. And I'll, you'd be surprised how many times this mentioned in the Word of God in different definitions for it. But here in the book of Romans in chapter 3, you'll notice there in chapter 3, something very important. And that is what God has to say. And you've got to have something that measures up to the Lord. So look in verse 4. After going through chapter 2 and most of the halfway through chapter 3, you're talking about how sinful, wicked man is, but God is perfect. So he says in verse 4 God forbid, yea, let God be what? There is your straight edge. Truth. And how can you discern a lie? You've got to measure it according to the truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So you have a straight edge. The truth doesn't change. Truth does not change. Lies always have to have another lie to cover up the lie that was told. And most lies are nothing more than a reason that's Stuffed with a lion. So you look here now in verse 4. God forbid, let God be true. Every man a what? Because he's not measuring up to the truth. And so he goes down through here and he tells us how bad we are. And we're all in the same boat. So God doesn't change. God is righteous. He's just. He's perfect. So God gave to the world his word. And the word is a straight edge. The word is truth. It is the standard of rule and practice. Faith and practice. What you believe and how you live. That's why God gave us the straight edge. He gave us this word. In studying scriptures, sometimes they talk about the canonicity of the scriptures. Oh, this book doesn't meet the standard. And so there's something wrong. It's not inspired of God. So it doesn't make it into the canon of scripture. Now notice this. When he makes his statement, notice what happens, that what God does in the first 20, I guess you could say here. We mentioned it just a minute ago. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified because the law is perfect, demands perfection. So you can't be saved by the law. Why? Because the law is perfect, demands perfection. The law does not forgive. The law has no mercy. The law has no grace. The law doesn't overlook a little sin. The law doesn't move. It doesn't bend. It executes judgment, which is death. So he says, by the law, is the knowledge of sin. Now look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God was revealed in a person. He gave the law up there in verse 20, and it was perfect, but nobody could keep it. God sent his perfect son into the world and he was perfect, but nobody could match his life. So if you can't perfectly keep the word and you can't perfectly live like the example, you ain't got any hope. So what he did, of course, you know, he went to the cross and paid for all of our sins. And this is why he makes a statement. In verse 22, even the righteousness of God. Which is the Lord himself. Jesus Christ was the righteousness of God. He says even the righteousness of God. Which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Get this. Unto how many? His righteousness is unto all. But it's only upon them that that believe. So his righteousness is to everybody. But it's only upon them that believe. So, But when you believe. God gives you his righteousness. Now, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, yes, now you are a child of God. You're going to heaven when you die. And you're going to heaven because in God's eyes, you are righteous and perfect as the Lord in your new birth. So the Lord is not here, but he lives inside of us. Would you believe that every one of us are supposed to be a standard, a standard of what righteousness is? You are that living standard because you're to absorb the word so that in your mind and in your life, you are an example of the believer. You're that straight edge that when people want to know what God is like, when they want to know what the word means, they should be able to tell it by looking at you and listening to you. And you should be able to tell them why you are what you are. Now, I want you just to take a look there in the book of 2 Corinthians And look there in chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul hints to this a little bit here. But let's just look at first of all in chapter 2 and verse 17. In verse 17 you need to underline this here because it's a great verse. For we are not as many, get this next statement, which corrupt the word of God. When you corrupt the word of God you corrupt your mind and it makes a difference in your life and it corrupts your life. Corrupt the word and it'll corrupt you. And that's why he makes the statement, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Now, take your Bible and just look at it quickly in chapter 4 in verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2. But have renounced the hidden things of Dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling, get this, the word of God deceitfully. You see, you and I, we have the word of God. It's supposed to help us to walk a straight line with the Lord. To live a godly life. I've had people tell me all the time that Yankee just teaches that easy believism and just wants you to live in sin. You ought to see some of the comments people say on it. They must think, I'm living the most wicked life that anybody's ever lived. But that's okay. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Now get this. But by manifestation of the truth. Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You only compare a person as they compare to what God's word demands. Now because I believe that this is important. Now look there in chapter 3. In verse 1. The apostle says, you know, we were nigh unto death. We've been down so low. We despise even our life. And he had a, a little moment of a pity party. But he makes a statement in verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Now, he also writes it says it's not wise to compare. But notice what he does. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we as some others? Epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? In other words, do we need somebody else's approval for you to accept us? Or do we have to give you letters of recommendation? He said, I'm the one that brought the gospel to you. I'm the one that led you to the Lord. I'm your father in the Lord. Read First Corinthians chapter 4. I bet it breaks his heart because he had led him to the Lord, and he was like that straight edge. Now, others have come along and tell him, you know that Paul, he he, he don't know what he's talking about. He's not a real apostle. He wasn't one of those that was with Christ. And he says, don't I have the right to either go about with a wife, or do I have the right to be taken care of because of the gospel? If I preach the gospel, I should be able to live with the gospel. So Paul said a lot of things. And he was in defense a little bit of what people were saying about him. But it says this in verse 2. Look in verse 2. Ye are our epistle. Written in our hearts. Known and read of what? In other words, you are an epistle. You are like, we say, well, the word of God has been totally, it's complete. And no other writing is supposed to be added. Except the individual. You're still writing. As a person, your life is supposed to be like a portion of Scripture. And what you believe and how you live should be above reproach. And I'm not making this up. I'm, I know what this book says. I know a verse here and I know a little verse there. But God says this is what it should be. And verse 3. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. Ministered by us. Written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God and in tables of stone, but in not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart and such trust have we through Christ toward God. In other words, we know that these Corinthians had about 14 major problems, but you won't find a verse that says that's a sign that you're not saved. Never said it. So he tries to correct the bad living With correct doctrine. You see if you can't change them. With truth. You can't change them. You can't force God's children. To love the Lord. And want to discipline life. You can tell them some reasons. But truth. That's what you and I are supposed to be living about. We're supposed to do what we do. Because we're living according to truth. Why do we come to church? Because we believe God wants us to. He's the standard. Why do we support? Because we want to be a standard bearer. Of what truth is. That's why in our individual lives. We're supposed to know the truth. And believe the truth. Walk the truth. Speak the truth. And he says speak the truth in love. Walk in love. And without love. Nothing else matters. You just become a hypocrite. And so. That's why I want to support missionaries. Why? Because I believe it's the truth. We are supposed to do it. We are supposed to send out missionaries. It's just not. Well, Yankee has a vision. That's nothing to do with Yankee. It's the truth. It's what the Word of God says. That's why I can't wait till Saturday morning when I speak. I mean, I, I'm ready. I've been ready for <laughs> two months. And I've worked on this sermon and I'm I'm ready. But I gotta wait. But see, this is so important. Look in verse five. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Why? Because he is our standard. Now take your Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And notice what we have here. Look there in verse 10. Verse 10. And verse 10 says, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that do what? He's the Savior of the world. But those that believe, look what else. These things command and teach. Who is this that's commanding and teaching? Well, see, now I know Paul is telling young Timothy, but he's telling them what God wants him to do. He says in verse 12, notice something very important, verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example. An example, get this, of the believers in word. Does that mean in what you say? He should be an example of what you say. He also says in conversation or your manner of life, in charity, in love, in spirit, in attitude, in faith, in purity, all these things. In other words, You and I are supposed to be the example of a believer. In other words, we're the standard for God's people. That's why you and I, we're all examples, but we may not all be good examples. And if you're not being a good example, you could be a bad example. What you have to do is look at it. What if everyone served the Lord the way I do? What if everybody was as faithful as I am? Would the church be packed or empty? Would people give or not give? So whatever we are, whatever we're supposed to do, it's not that we're supposed to, well, everybody's supposed to do this but me. If I'm supposed to witness, then I should witness. Whatever I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to be a leader. And God is looking for examples. Those who will be a standard, a straight edge. Is he walking right? Is he living Right? Does he worship God right? Does he pray right? Does he study right? Does he do it? It's not just you're blessed because of what you know. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. It's so easy to tell somebody something and then not do it yourself. We're supposed to be exempt. If I want people to give to missions, what should I do? I should give to missions. Wouldn't it be a little hypocritical for me to tell people to do it and me not do it? Should I give to radio? If I want to radio, You don't have to. Just a little bit here, a little bit there, but it adds up. A lot of people give them a the little bit. It's amazing what we can do. I had a guy just today tell me, he says, here's some money for the missions. And it's about 1200 $1,300. I said, praise the Lord. He didn't have to do that. And he put it, anonymous. He don't even want anybody to know who he is. I don't know who this guy is, but I like the guy anonymous. (laughs) But look what he says here. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of being an epistle that's read by everybody. Did you know that people are reading you? And if they read you, what are you telling them? When they look at you, do they see faithfulness? written all over your life do they see a soul winner do they see a bible student do they see somebody that really cares and whatever those are things that you can going to have to answer because one day we're going to have to give an account to god but giving an account to god is here giving an account to man because man can see what we do they can see what we hear what we say so all these things are so important now In the book of 1 Peter. Look there real quick. 1 Peter. And chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And look in verse 9. And you'll notice that some of these verses. Look like we were reading back there in the. Old Testament. When it talks about the. The priesthood and. All that. In verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That you should do what? Show forth something. You are a light. You know the truth, and we're to stand for truth. See, in this world, it's God's children that's supposed to stand so that the world will know what it means to know truth. If the truth that we have doesn't affect us, how are we supposed to think it's going to affect them? If we live no different than what the world does, why would the world need what we got? You can understand that, can't you? I I'm easy to understand. But maybe we don't have something that they want. But that's why he says, when you love the Lord, they that live godly shall suffer persecution. Because there's a lot of people in the world who don't care what we have, what we know, and how we live. They just don't want us here all together. If they had another planet they could ship us to, they'd probably want to do that. But notice something else. Look what he says here in verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. That doesn't mean you're supposed to be strange or a pill. He said, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. But you've got to know what causes this war. And how do I protect myself? Well, you protect yourself by knowing the truth and living the truth. Because the devil is going to try to lie to you and cause you to question and to doubt the things that you're supposed to know and supposed to do. Now, for the sake of time, let me just mention this to you. Isn't it true that in the book of Matthew in chapter 5, the Bible says, ye are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Not the politicians, not Congress. Not Sean Hannity or anybody else on TV. You can learn a lot of things and get all inspired and find out what's going on. But the salt of the earth is supposed to be God's people. In other words, we're the one that's supposed to be able to heal our society. But you see, they've gotten rid of everything that heals our society. The thing that a nation needs, and they're not providing, and not a one of those up on the stage ever mentioned how we need the Lord. We need the Lord. We need to get back to God. We need to get Bibles in our schools, and we need to teach these kids what the truth is. Because there was a time when you didn't have to worry about the biggest trouble kids got into was, you know, maybe skipping a class or something like that and chewing gum in school or shooting marbles. Today, oh, they're just getting machine guns and blowing away everybody. Where did all this come from? Because, you see, we were raised in generation of kids that don't know the Lord, don't care about God. And the individuals don't have character. Parents are dishonest. Know about the cases where they're, you know, paying these high schools lots of money just to give their kid, you know, said they had an education that they never earned, didn't work for. And it's amazing how things, they get caught. You sow a wind, you'll reap a whirlwind. And you sow wild oats, you're going to reap a whole lot more. Just a matter of time, because the law of the harvest is: you reap what you sow. You reap later than you sow, and you reap a lot more. It's just the truth. Nobody should know it. But salt is to heal. It's a cure. We remember, and we mentioned this just the other day. My son, when we went down to camp that Hank Lindstrom had over there on Ormond Beach, and I think we stayed at the Pagoda Hotel, and and while he was there, he had. A bad case of blisters, fever blisters on his mouth. And he's you know old enough now that he looks at girls and girls are looking at him. But we didn't have to worry about him kissing anybody because he, he was covered. It was so bad. We felt so sorry for him, but nothing we could do. And so he got in the sun and that made it worse. But he went into the, the water and the salt water made it feel a little bit better. The salt, the salt water. But salt is a preservative. So the reason that Washington is so rotten is because there's not enough salt to preserve the meat. He also says in the book of Matthew that um, we're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. And you don't take a light and hide it under a bushel. You want to take a light and put it up on a hill so people can see it. You see, you and I, we're not supposed to run from the darkness. We're supposed to be the light that God can use wherever he wants to place us. Our job is just to shine. Where he wants me, that's that's his call. It's wherever we go. We're supposed to be a standard of that which is truth. And we live truth because we want to please the Lord. So we're the salt of the earth. We're the preservative, but we're the light of the world. Because he says, when he was here, I am the light of the world. And when he left, he says, ye are the light of the world. And he makes a statement in the book of Philippians there in chapter 2. Talking about shining, holding forth the word of life. That's the light that people need to see. And we are supposed to be the bearers of this. We're standard bearers. Bearers of light, truth. We're the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be in this world. We're supposed to be the leaders. We're the leaders. We're supposed to know what's right and wrong. We don't turn on our TVs to find out what's right and wrong. We come to church and learn the truth of what's right and wrong. If you just listen to the news, you'll find out abortion isn't wrong. Homosexuality, it's not wrong. But if you go to the Bible, God says it's wrong. So which one are you going to believe? You go outside of this church and you can listen to all kinds of stuff. And it's okay for people just to live together. It's okay because everybody does it. Therefore, it's okay, right? No. We come back to the truth, the standard. God says, no, that's wrong. So if I want to take and be a good preacher, should I tell you what the world believes and we ought to be just like the world? Or should I tell you this is what God says and we ought to be like what God says? See, there's a choice. You see, truth, if people wanted truth, really wanted truth, learn truth, live truth, this church would be packed. We'd have to go to three services. But you see, there's a verse in the Bible that says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A lot of people don't want the perfect will of God. They don't want that straight edge because they don't want to live that straight life. They don't want to dedicate themselves because that requires too much. I just want to take and do a little bit here and a little bit there and just get God will leave me alone. I'll leave him alone. We'll get through fine. Whatever. The sin represent you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God loves us. He loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. And God says that he doesn't want us to spend an eternity in hell. That's why he's the savior of all, but only of those who believe. See, to go to heaven, we've got to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. Why? Because we got sin. And we know that we're sinners because of the perfect law of righteousness. That straight edge that God gave us that required perfection, we can't do it. This hand represents Jesus Christ. So God gave the perfect word, and then he gave the perfect person who came into the world and lived that perfect life. And because he had no sin, he didn't have to die. But because he loved us, and we have a debt payment. Well, he didn't. So he took all of the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross and came back from the dead and said the only thing he wanted us to do, it's the only thing we can do, believe he did it for us. So when I believed he did it for me, God saved me. When Bob over there believed it, God saved him. When Connor believed it, God saved him. Whenever you believe it, God saved you. See, the payment's already been made, but only those who believe it. God's righteousness is unto all, but it's only upon those that believe. And that's why it's so important for every person to believe on Jesus Christ. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Or if you're watching by internet, right on the screen it says, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. And if you have, trust the Lord, praise the Lord for that. But if you haven't, I'd love to have you just let us know. It just causes us to rejoice because we want to know that people hear and understand. If you're here in the auditorium tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior... Remember, the day will come when the truth will be known. You'll stand before God. Have you really, have you trusted Him as your only hope of going to heaven? I pray that you have. If you will trust Christ as your Savior tonight, would you let me know by just simply slipping up your hand real quick and putting it right back down. Is anyone at all? Anyone at all? If you've already trusted Christ as Savior, you never have to do it again. Learn the Word of God. Learn to grow. Because you and I, were epistles that are read of all men. And people see us. We're supposed to be what truth is. We're supposed to be a living Bible, a walking Bible, a talking Bible. We're children of the King, so we should use the language of the court. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one here. And Father, we pray for great results for the missions conference. We thank you for all the work that's been done, a lot more to do. And for those that will be coming in, whether flying or driving, We pray for safety for them, and we pray that all the meals that have been planned and all the work, the speakers, and uh, Lord, the missionaries going to give their talking in on Sunday. Just pray for a great week. Bless us in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, he would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast.
1: So live today and every day believing that the Lord is coming soon and just keep looking up.
0: Amazing grace amazes me